Hi, I'm Shermaine Melton, your Chief Courage Officer, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Courage to Impact. My mission is to inspire you to be more courageous so that you can make a bigger impact. To create impact, all you need is one tiny act of courage. Courage is about being vulnerable. I created this space for you to hear and learn from other courageous people. You'll hear stories about their impact, their fears, doubts, insecurities, and even their most courageous moments ever. You'll hear about where they've failed and how they've grown as a result. Reflect on what you hear and go out and be more courageous today. Welcome to Courage to Impact. Some people see failure as a negative or as a deficit. The truth is, failure is the fastest way to learn, expand, and grow. It's a really simple concept that's really hard to do. Failed It is a series of episodes dedicated to celebrating one thing, failure. I believe the highest levels of growth, expansion, and freedom come as a result of failure. They're all waiting on the other side of fear. I created Failed It from conversations with all of my guests this season. They were asked to recall a failure they experienced in the past, what they learned from it, and how they grew and expanded as a result. My hope is that you'll learn from their failures and go out and make even bigger mistakes. Get out there and fail today. The first person up is Charlotte Fowles, who in her episode discussed years of trauma, a failed marriage, depression, and skin cancer. Charlotte, I have a, um, a segment, a piece, a part of the show that I call Failed It. And this is where we celebrate failure because really um, when you fail at something, that's where the learning comes in. What comes to mind for you of something you want to uh, recognize yourself for failing at? Oh, so many. <laughs> and actually, in all seriousness, some people might listen and think, oh, but then, no, no, you didn't fail. It's fine. I'm going to share some things. And, it, and I wrote a blog a while ago about some of my most painful failures. And it, that was in the context of the, the failed, in inverted commas, pregnancies. Like that is a very visceral, physical, but also emotionally painful experience for many people, myself included. And the failed marriage right and the failed health because there are still people to this day probably some people listening who just don't consider mental illness to be an actual illness and uh, sadly when I have shared about it some people well-meaning people have have kind of come at it from a mindset point of view or oh maybe I failed to keep myself happy enough or maybe I failed to be positive enough to them, I would say, it's an illness. Let's let's just put it over there on the side with cancer and all the other actual illnesses. Um, but to me, it felt like a failure, especially as I mine is always reactive to things. So I'd had it twice in my very early 20s to some other traumatic events. So mine was reactive to bad things that had happened to me as per the third one. But I hadn't had it for in over 12 or 13 years. So when I, 
I was very quickly um, plunged into it as a result of trauma. I felt like I'd failed. I really felt like I'd failed. I'd failed myself. My it was my biggest fear, and this is why it's one of the most courageous things to get is to get better from it. My biggest fear was that I couldn't get well again if it came back because it's too hard. So I would I would choose an alternative, whatever that meant, and that was very dark for me to realize that I had failed myself. And then again, despite being someone who's very educated, very experienced in all of these things, when I needed, I tried to, I went to therapy, I was already in therapy and like, and I tried to tough it out if you like. And when I finally accepted the help of medication, I felt that I failed again, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, did I feel like that when I had cancer? No, I did not. So it's no surprise that there's still such ignorance and misunderstanding when those of us who believe it and have been there feel a failure for getting an accepted and proven method of support. So that was that was very painful. The miscarriages are extremely painful. Obviously, the marriage is painful. So I, I hell, I failed at all the things that most people will hold up as a successful life as someone who's healthy and happy and great and they've got a family and all the rest of it. So I'm a miserable failure <laughs> in all <laughs> respects, but hey, I'm a very happy one. It's all okay as long as you keep trying. Yes, it is okay. And so you spoke about, you know, your failed marriage, you talked about your health, you spoke about uh, failing to be patient and, um, you know, uh, not keeping promises to yourself. What would you say comes up as as the one or two things you've learned from from those experiences? Oh, that's a good question. What have I learned from those experiences? Well, like I said, that we're human uh, and that self-compassion is hugely important. And I know that people, some people listening might say that sounds really fluffy. It's not, it's really hard. It's one of the hardest things you'll do. I can guarantee if you're not someone that daily practices self-compassion, then it's tough. And if you think you're tough, you need to practice that. <laughs> it's, mm. I, I'm sure you will relate, but it is tough. Yes. Um, we're hardest on ourselves, And to know yourself, that's, that's a really big piece that I've learned is to know yourself, to know perhaps some triggers around whatever the things are that cause you to either disappoint yourself or behave in a way that you don't want or to break a promise to yourself to know when that might happen. Now we have Daniel Allen, who discussed in our conversation, stepping away from a faith he grew up with and even led within as an adult. What's something you like to celebrate failing? (laughs) Uh, I'm laughing because that's such a it's a counterintuitive way of looking at it, you know, celebrating failure. Um, but I, I totally get it. And one of the failures that I celebrate is quitting football. You know, um, halfway through my uh, collegiate career at a Division II college uh, here in Connecticut, um, you know, I kind of I made it my goal to go to the NFL, and I remember talking about it one day with guys in the in the um, dining hall, and these are my teammates I'm sitting around with, and I talk about you know wanting to go to the league, and one of my other teammates looked at me, I was like, "What are you talking about? You're not going to the NFL? Are you coming from this low Division two school? Like you're not even starting?" Da da da. And he kind of listed off all these reasons why it couldn't happen, and I was like, "I bet." <laughs> and so. 
after my senior season, I really didn't have any agents coming after me. So I found a list of about 250 agents online. And out of the 250, I contacted about 230 of them through email or on telephone. Out of the 230, only say 25 got back in touch with me. The greater majority of them saying, no, we're not gonna work with you. You know, we're not interested. Only about three or four had you know showed some interest in what I had as an athlete and were willing to represent me, but only one was willing to pay for my training, so that's who I went with. <laughs> um, but the the lesson comes in uh, you know several months after all of this, I'm at a tryout for an arena football team in San Jose, and I was there for three days, and I think it was on the second day. I had known internally that I wasn't going to make the team because the position coach I was working with was like really hype on this other guy from Fresno State. Wasn't giving me much attention. I was just kind of like an extra body. And I'm out at practice one day and I'm looking up at the sky, planes flying overhead. And I have the thought, and I remember it clear as day. I asked myself, what am I doing with my life? I said, you know, I'm out here playing this game, but life is more than just this game. And it was in that moment, I knew that I wasn't going to be playing football anymore. Mm-hmm. Although I had committed, you know, the greater part of nine, 10 years at that point to developing my body, to developing my mind, to getting to this point, only to say, it's not what I want to do anymore. You know, when I look back on it, I, there was definitely some pain from the lack of exposure I may have felt I received. Um, maybe the hurt of knowing I wasn't going to make the team, dealing with that, and then recognizing that I just didn't want to do the work anymore. I didn't want to put my body through the rigors of what it would have taken in order to reach that next level. Now, of course, I believe it's possible I, I could have done that had I stuck with it. Like, There's no doubt in my mind I would have made it to the NFL one day, but I just didn't have it in me. And so I say that that's kind of a failure that I celebrate for a couple of reasons. One, it opened me up to begin to look at other avenues. Two, it helped me to recognize that I didn't have to commit my life to this one thing anymore. That, yeah, okay, this really shaped my identity over the last 10 years, but now there's an opportunity to make someone different. Um, and then it was just dealing with the pain of not reaching my goal recognizing that it wasn't the end of the world, that I could pivot, um, and that I didn't owe it to anybody to pr- continue to pursue that. Of course, my older brother jokes would be like, yeah, we could have been living nice, da, 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 but you just, ha- you just had to quit. <laughs> but, you know, I recognized that I didn't owe anything to anybody. And I would have been damaging myself. I would have been damaging my own heart, my own soul to continue in that way. Um, knowing that my heart wasn't in it. Now we have Alex Dumas, who in his episode discussed the confusion he felt growing up trying to find his identity, fit in, and be loved. He also shared how he bounced back from a failed business, death of his mother, and a new baby in the home. As you think about your life, what's something that comes up that you like to celebrate failing? Man, how much time do we have in this show for failures? <laughs> <laughs> right? I'll, I'll, you know what? What comes to mind is um, 
a great time of failure in my life that created this opportunity for me. So I'll rewind back to 2015. And looking back, that was one of the most challenging years of my life, but it was the... It was the caterpillar, right, moment of being a cocoon and being ready to to take flight as a butterfly, you know, moving forward. So in that year, just to give you a quick snapshot, my son was born. Three days after he was born, my mother passed. I was fired from a job that I loved a few months later. Tried my hand as um, an entrepreneur, crashed and burned, failed miserably in 2016. I returned to the workforce, but the workforce afforded me the opportunity to be exposed to professional speaking and coaching and digital marketing and in sales. And, you know, looking back, I mean, it was a rough time. I had my tail tucked between my legs. I was embarrassed. I was frustrated, just, um, yeah, real mess, still in the process of not even really being able to grieve for my mother because I have a newborn, so there's no time to boo-hoo, wah-wah. It's, it's go time. <laughs> you know, you're up at night. That's what, it, what it is. And you know, looking back, all those challenges, you know, the embarrassment of being fired. I mean, I've never been fired in my life. And mm. all of that set me up for being open to this world and, and catching a vision of, oh, this is what's possible. And it started me on this path, you know, from 2016 of immersing myself into coaching. And so through those failures, through that rough time, it really led me to this joy that I have now, this this growing peace within me because I had an opportunity and I saw it, I took it. Now we have Eloise Eaton, who discussed hiding for most of her life and how she uses superhero moments to step into fear. Hmm. Well, I tried a few different business ideas, I guess, Mm. for coaching. So I I was a housewife uh, for most of my married life. So I've been married coming up to 25 years. And I didn't really work from the moment I got married until a few years ago. And so I had to figure out what the f*** am I going to do when you haven't worked for that long? You actually, well, I actually thought I didn't have any skills. So I went to my sister and we were just, you know, unpacking my life. What have I done? What have I enjoyed? So the first thing I did was I was going to be, I was going to organize people's closets because I when I'm stressed, I fold things. Um, and I marry Kondo. Do you know who Marie Kondo is? She no, does. I okay, if you know her, you've got to fold stuff like she does. She's like the joy of everything, but your clothing and, and you, you know, you only keep things that give you pleasure. But she has these amazing folding techniques. And it's a very good way for me when I'm stressed. So I was extremely good at doing that for myself. So I thought, well, maybe that's what I can do for other people. But then what I found out when I went in, I don't really want to fold other people's clothes. But what I did enjoy doing was going through people's closet and say, why do you have this if you haven't worn it? You know, people are bringing their past and hanging on to their old identities that they don't want anymore. They're Mm -hmm. keeping it within their clothing 
and they're scared to let it go. And I think that was my first, you know, it was a failure as a business because I don't want to go into other people's houses. I never felt safe. Um, and I don't want to fold people's clothes. But it wasn't really a failure, was it? Because what I learned was, I mean, that was coaching. You know, why Why do you have this? What does it say about you? Why are you, why are you keeping? Why is it so difficult uh, to let it go? But I didn't know that was coaching at the time. So that was fail. Uh, I'm not a fan of the, the word. I like falling because then it's just how you get up. So that yes. was one, one of my falls. And then I thought, because I throw a really good party, <laughs> I thought I would be a party planner. But I throw a party from the heart and soul. You know, it's nothing to do with... Um, you know, the food's important, the deck was important, but it's it's how you gather people, how you connect people, how you bring them together, how how you keep the conversation meaningful. Um, that's in a way, that's group coaching. <laughs> and I don't like arranging other people's parties because I, you know, it, it therefore it just becomes logistics and it should be about so much more than that. So that didn't work out either. But again, what I learned about myself all led me down to where I am now. So maybe I would have got here anyway. I don't know. But I love the route that I took to get here. Now we have Ashley Newberg, who in our conversation discussed growing up being afraid of speaking up and going through intensive therapy as an adult which transformed her life. The first thing that came to mind for me was a moment with one of my kids when I was a foster parent. And um, we were foster parents for a few years and we had a few different kids in our home. And I had this moment where we were um, at a zoo and my foster daughter did not want to eat the lunch that we had packed. And I got so stuck and so petty about her eating the lunch that I ended up being really cruel. And I, uh, you know, told her that she couldn't have snacks until she ate the lunch, even though she really didn't want it. She really didn't like it. And she had even told me before she didn't like this type of food. And I got so stuck on being right on being the adult, you know, that I ended up being unkind to her. And and that is one of my biggest moments of regret, you know, when I think of like how badly I just like messed up because I was really horrible in that moment. And I was stuck on what I was feeling. And I was stuck in this place of Um, you need to do what I'm telling you to do because I said so, because I'm the adult and I'm in charge here. And this was before I went through counseling. So I didn't really know any different. And I think of that as a big moment of failure for me because, um, because I regret it so much, you know, because it's so hard to look back on myself in that moment and just like see what kind of person I was and see how I reacted and how I treated her and everybody else in the family in that moment. And uh, one of the cool things about going through counseling and healing is 
being able to see what was going on in me in that moment and why I was reacting that way and why I was so stuck on, you have to eat your food. And I think what a lot of people need to hear, especially parents, is that when you mess up like that, when you overreact, when you get stuck on something that is really unhelpful for your kids, when you're not hearing them, when you're not really hearing yourself, there is always healing. And that doesn't have to happen with blame and shame and regret. And when you look back at those moments where you really failed and you really messed up, love yourself through that moment because you were feeling something too. Your reaction came from somewhere. And even if what you did was harmful to somebody else, you can repair that relationship. You can apologize. You can make it right. You can make it better. You can learn about yourself and do it differently. And that doesn't have to come through hating yourself for it and shaming yourself for it. You can grow and you can learn and you can do better once you know better. Last up is my baby brother, Forrest Melton. In our conversation, he discussed the struggle of a breakup and a courageous conversation he had with our dad. I started working on this app. I got into Seed Spot. I wasn't, I think I was personal training a little bit. That's what I was doing. Um, I had just left a corporate job in like um, health healthcare stuff. And um, so I had like a severance package. So I was like, okay, I can do some stuff. <laughs> so I got into that incubator. Um, I started running out of money. And then, so I never, it's like a 14 to 16 week program. And you're supposed to get to the end of the program and have your concept like fully vetted. Like you're supposed to pitch every Friday and like get feedback and criticism. And you're supposed to like file your organization and then at the end you're supposed to pitch in front of like 800 people and hopefully if you're a nonprofit, you can get some funding or if you're like an app you can get some users or and they kind of vote for the like the best pitch or whatever like the crowd favorite gets a prize the um the and everyone gets like top three people get like i think number one pitch gets like 10 grand or something to go launch your product or whatever And so I never really got there and I never got the app, never raised money to get the app, never like, like, so like three quarters of the way through the program, I just like, there was, I didn't really have anything anymore. People were trying to help me like get past the finish line, but (sighs) that was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) What did you, what did you learn from that? So it was a good experience. It was a great experience. Um, I made so many connections. Um, I learned that that like creating an app is really hard unless you have, unless you know how to code like and you're a master coder and you can work 100 hours a week to like really beast something out or you have enough money to pay. Um, it's really difficult. Also kind of the structure of like, I learned that my personality is really like, I'm really good at connecting, being in the front. Like I can, I can give a speech or like 
I like the kind of like front end stuff and then, but all the back end stuff, like the logistics are, are really not my zone of excellence. <laughs> and so if I'm going to, the next time I start something, I will need like a, um, someone who compliments those skills. Um, also there was just like a, there's like a kind of, there was a reason that, that, but what else I learned is there's a reason that doesn't exist. Like the technology isn't really there. Like what I was thinking of was like, you know, fit, you wear a Fitbit watch, you go to sleep, you wake up. It's like, you slept this amount, you walked this amount and it's just automatic. And I really wanted something like that. And uh, that's not a thing. Also people who volunteer don't care a ton about like accolades and stuff that like it's nice but they're doing it because they like to volunteer <laughs> they mm. like they like giving back and so part of my concept was like what if when people volunteered we could like um give them food or money or like some kind of uh incentive but um then it's also like nonprofits can't pay for that so i i, I learned a lot I, I what i learned the most about was the startup process because mm. there's like you you need to know who you're targeting. Um, you need to know who your customers are. Um, you need a minimum viable product and you just need to go out there and see if you can get some momentum off of the, that MVP and um, iterate off of that before you really spend a lot of money to launch. It's not enough to know that you're capable of making a bigger impact. You've got to take courageous action on it one tiny step at a time. If you'd like more of this, or if you'd like to learn more about our Courage to Impact community, go to shermainmelton.com slash Courage to Impact podcast.